Hi, and uh, welcome back to Round the Table. I'm Ben John from Christian Concern and the Wilberforce Academy. It's delightful to be back with you again uh, towards the end of this year uh, with Round the Table uh, today. Uh, as always, please do put in the comments uh, where you're from. Do say hello and uh, throughout this time together please do put in your comments your questions we always love hearing from you um, our uh, friends and supporters uh, and part people part of the christian concern um, family delighted uh, today to be joined by my colleague uh, tim Dieppe, head of public policy at christian concern and derek timms uh, chaplain and uh, former businessman hi tim hi derek hello how are you both doing today um, Derek's muted, I think, for a minute. Easy to do. Um, there you are. That's Hi, better. Derek. I'm back now. Derek, it is wonderful to have you with us um, today. Um, so, Derek, uh, you've been in a little bit of the news uh, this week with uh, something that's been happening uh, to you recently. Why don't you just share a little bit about uh, what you do and what's recently happened to you? Um, I... Uh... I trained five years ago. Uh, I was coming up to retirement and I was asked by a gentleman who was doing a chaplaincy course. Uh, well, he didn't actually ask me. He told me I, I needed to do this course. He said, this is what I think God is going to ask you to do. And so I went on a 12-month training program uh, with uh, the Order of St. Leonard run by David Carr. And uh, it's... Um, part of the course was having to write essays etc about um, chaplaincy but also to spend time doing 120 hours of uh, work in a, in anywhere where there could be chaplains and i felt god called me to go and work uh, in a hospice and i rang my local marie curie hospice the then chaplain um, spoke to me uh, then we came and we had an interview and then eventually he took me on um, to work for 12 months during my course. Um, so I was like doing work experience at the age of 67, 68. Um, I suddenly realised right at the very beginning that this was where God wanted me to be, uh, in and amongst people who are coming to the end of their lives. And... And in many ways are seeking um, reassurance that a that what their life has achieved um, and that they've achieved something in their life but also still reaching out especially those who were still struggling with their faith and uh, during the first 12 18 months everything worked went, went very well um, the then paid chaplain moved on um, we had a period of no immediate um, paid, well, we didn't have a paid chaplain at all for three or four years, but we still went in, still saw people at Marie Curie. I always, I always wore, I've been wearing a cross mm. on my towel um, for probably the best part of 14 years. And whenever I've gone into Marie Curie, I've always worn my cross. Um, That's the little they, cross we can see on your... Yeah on your the top map there. that's the one so it's a tiny and, little cross pretty yeah. small and yeah you're it's going about, in as a chaplain and i was going in as a chaplain yeah 
Um, so there wasn't really any reason. There wasn't. There, I, I had no problems whether I saw a Christian or whether I saw a non-Christian, whether it was a Muslim, Hindu, Sikh. It made no difference. Um, I met people where they are uh, and in whatever. Um, and in some cases, I've had people turn around and say, I don't want to talk to you, you're, you're a religious chaplain. And I said, well, let's talk about something else then. Might have talked about football, cricket, sports. In one case, I spoke to a man because he lived not far from where my wife, uh, my late wife and I used to live. Um, but all the way along the line, I was always praying for myself that these people would find God if they didn't know him already. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's how it started. And then COVID came about. And of course, like everybody else, we were all the volunteers were told to leave. Um, slowly over a period of time, we started to come back in. Um, I gave up. I, I did something extra at Marie Curie, which was to uh, administer lateral flow testing to people because it enabled me to meet with the family uh, before they went in to see their loved ones. Um, and although officially we weren't supposed to be talking about Christianity or anything, um, I'm in a room waiting for half an hour for the test to take place. So we had conversations, obviously. Um, and then as COVID got relaxed, we started to go back in again. And um, then I was informed that Marie Curie were going to um, advertise for a chaplain to be three days a week uh, working um, and we would be working under the person that, who was going to be employed. Um, I, uh, I actually applied for the job, but I applied for the job um, in a situation of saying, um, I'll work two days a week for nothing and do the job. I couldn't commit to three days a week, but um, they really wanted someone with three days to do three days work. So I, I was in a way, I was quite happy with that. Um, I then, they then employed this, um, this new chaplain. I wasn't able to go straight back in. Uh, I just recently had a knee replacement operation and as such couldn't get in because uh, of not being mobile. So she'd been working for about a month when I first turned up one Tuesday morning to do my normal rounds. She asked whether she could see me, which she did at the end of the rounds. And um, we chatted for half an hour. At that stage, she never told me that she was um, a method or a minister of any sort. She didn't wear a dog collar. Um, and didn't give me the impression that there was that she that, that she had got uh, or that she, that she was a, a minister of any sort. But the very next day, I get an email from her saying that she was disturbed that I was wearing a cross and that I shouldn't wear a cross in a hospice under the new title of spiritual care because you should be going in to see people where they are, not where I am. Yeah. Um, so, she, to it, dis, sorry. so that this, a Methodist minister yeah. disturbed that a Christian chap, Christian, what was your, 
But well, I was still, I was still, I was still known as a Christian, as a chaplain, chaplain. as a chaplain, because the the title hadn't been changed then. Okay. But she. Was why, did they, why did they change? Why did they change the title, Derek? What was that about? Well, they they they're saying they want to change the title because they're saying that there are people in the world in 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 Marie Curie who have a spiritual um, need which may not necessarily be um, religious. Their spiritual need may be the fact that, for instance, as an example, which is what I gave to her when I was talking to her, I went to see one, one lady who I'd seen for three or four weeks some years ago, and she said, my life is not worth, what have I achieved in my life? And I just sat down with her and I said, you're married, You've had three children. Your child, your children have all had children. Those children have had children, and I said you've now got great grandchildren, children, grandchildren, and children, and a husband. You've achieved a lot. All those people wouldn't be there if it wasn't for you, and that's all she needed to know. And she said, you know, I haven't thought of life like that, um, and that's all she wanted to know. So the idea behind changing the title is that we should that they say that we should be open to that type of conversation my argument is i'm always open to that type of conversation because um yes i i do believe strongly that um people people who are in marie curie or any hospice it's possibly their last chance of knowing god if they don't know god already um, and so I'm always secretly trying to um, uh, get to a situation where I can bring God into the conversation. But if I can't bring the God into the situation, then I back off because I don't feel that it sure. is my it is my job. Um, but I always believe that God meets us all at the end, um, and I'm just praying that these people accept God for who He is. Yeah. Um, so uh, there was a shift then. So you mentioned about the the Methodist chaplain being um, disturbed about yeah. your wearing of the cross, and you've always had this willingness, as you've just unpacked, about being able to be there to provide pastoral care for anyone that was there. Um, yeah. But there was this shift. So you you were a chaplain, and now you're just just spiritual care. Um, yes. What, what was the response generally like? What, how did you respond to this? Well, I, I said to her that <clears throat> I didn't understand why my cross would upset people. One, it is so small. And in most cases, when I walk into a room, uh, which is individual rooms, like a small hotel room, there's probably a good chance they don't even see the cross. Um, and certainly initially, uh, but I said that I meet people for where they are, and I and I say to them, you know, I explain that I'm a chaplain, uh, I'm a, a Church of England chaplain. Um, we can we can sit and talk about religious matters if that's what you want to talk about, but we'll talk about anything. And and in many cases, I've had probably as many conversations with people about 
abstract abstract things rather than uh, religious things. Mm. Um, in in Birmingham, we have what they call what there's a bus route called the outer circle bus route, and it goes around the outer circle out outer side of Birmingham, well known in the Birmingham area. Uh, and this one lady, she and I were talking about all the different uh, pubs there used to be in a period uh, within within the area that she travelled on that bus. And that's what I talked to her about that. And the next time I go in, I talk to her about something else. And then eventually she starts asking me about prayer and would, would I pray for her? And then I pray for her. Well um, done. Yeah. So it's interesting. So um, what came to mind was uh, a couple of years ago in the, the Methodists, um, the, the, Methodist, the Methodist conference voted to permit uh, same-sex marriages and things like that. Um, there was also a vote. They failed to affirm the uniqueness of Christ and explicitly had mentioned because of it would hurt people, hurt chaplains in, in multi-faith um, uh, prayer areas. So it's interesting to see how that's working itself out into ordinary life. So that there was a there was an there was a there was a vote on we affirm the uniqueness of Christ, and that mm. failed to pass. Uh, and it was citing um, chaplain multi faith environments. Um, please do keep your uh, questions and comments um, coming in. Um, here's what Margaret Holohan uh, says: I'm a Catholic, and I will always wear my cross, no matter in what circumstances. It won't be. Um, dictated to um, and some other uh, comments coming in uh, there Michael White says wear your cross and be proud you are a representative of Christ it affirms you not those uh, you speak to unless they ask um, so in fact and oftentimes I guess wearing a cross is often a good conversation starter as well so, someone will ask um, or they'll see the cross and it will prompt um, something that's there was this rule about no religious symbols applied equally to was this being applied to Sikhs or Muslims? Well, that was the question that I asked in the email that I replied back to her and I said, um, what, what are you going to do about the Muslim lady who comes in with a burqa? Um, and in her reply back to me, it was that is a religious dress. So therefore she would be allowed to wear it. Uh, and I said, but as soon as she walks in to um, as soon as she walks in to that room, everyone's going to know she's a Muslim. Um, so what's the difference between her walking in and me walking in with my cross? And also, I did question the fact that um, it's not compulsory that Muslim ladies have to wear the burqa. Um, and uh, she said, but most do. And I said, well, I, I mean, where I work, I work next door to a mosque uh, in Birmingham, uh, one, the business that I, I, I own, but have sort of retired from. And I asked the, the imam there about the dress, and he said it's optional for men and women, but most of the men wear them when they go for prayer. But um, it seemed to be one one rule for the crop and another rule for everybody else yeah and i guess that's that's maybe what we saw earlier this year tim do, do you want to just comment and share a little bit about the mario newer case and maybe this tendency that we're seeing where it's christian displays of 
religious symbols that are being marginalised and not others. Tim, do you want to share? Yeah, well, Derek's the um, second case of somebody um, being discriminated against for wearing a cross that we've had this year. And I think uh, Mary Inua um, was a nurse. I don't know if you know, Derek, the story, but um, there's a picture of her there. Um, and a long-standing nurse, worked for you know, many years and just wore this little cross on her necklace. That was for her very important, a confirmation cross. She'd worn it for like 20 years with no objections. And suddenly she found um, objections being made to why are you wearing this cross? And the excuse was it's a health and safety risk, which is kind of an extraordinary thing to say, a tiny little cross on a necklace like that is a health and safety risk. Um, and particularly when nurses tend to wear lanyards with all sorts of attachments in them that are much bigger, there's, there's it in comparison to the lanyard there. Um, and if, if a little cross is a health safety risk, then a lanyard is much more of a health and safety risk, surely. Um, so it's not really about health and safety. It's actually about some people um, finding it offensive that people are willing to openly display their Christian faith uh, with a small little cross like that. Anyway, um, in the case of Mary Neal, we had a, a fantastic win. Um, we, we went to court and employment tribunal ruled that she had been discriminated against and um, that it was discrimination on the basis of her faith and that... Um, and I think she's won an apology and perhaps some conversation as well um, out of that. Um, and so that's, you know, that's very significant and important. And Derek's case here as well, after we sort of challenged this um, with help from our lawyers, um, Derek, they apologised to you and said that was not our policy. You are allowed to wear your cross, didn't they? They did, although they used in the letter explaining or giving me the apology, uh, a term which does worry me a little bit when they say we currently have no policy. Right. Uh, does the word currently mean it is their plan to put into? <laughs> I don't know. It may be me reading more into that than than meets the eye. Well, I think they'd find it very difficult with the precedent set by Mary Newer early this year to impose a policy where you discriminate against crosses and not against other religions, as you were sort of yeah. highlighting to them um, yourself. So I think you know. The, the, the success and importance of cases like this is that it does cause people to realise that they can't just discriminate against Christians in this way and say that we're not allowing a cross to be worn. And of course, there was a case um, some years back, um, Mary, Mary um, um, Aweeda, um, who you may remember, she wore a cross, wanted to wear a cross on her British Airways uniform, and, yes. um, was banned from wearing that. And that case went all the way up to the European Court of Human Rights. Um, which actually ruled in her favour that it was a um, breach of her religious freedom, human right, um, to be um, Nadia Awida, sorry, not Mary Awida, um, and, um, but it was a breach of her human rights to um, force her to remove a little cross um, from her uniform. Um, so there's, there's very significant precedent in this, um, but it's quite concerning that employers are coming in in different ways and saying, you know, you should remove this cross, even for a chaplain in a hospice, is quite shocking, really. A Methodist lead chaplain um, saying to another chaplain in a hospice, you shouldn't wear that tiny little cross that you're wearing right now, yeah. is quite shocking and disturbing, really, I think. Well, she did ask me at, at one of the meetings, so I had about four meetings with her before eventually uh, it came to a head, and she... Um, uh, she did ask me, she did say to me at one, one of the meetings that I could take my cross off or put it inside my shirt. And then if I meet 
a Christian put the cross the cross back on, which yeah. I actually said would be probably more offensive to a Christian than than um, trying to offend the non-Christian because if I was in that bed and I felt the person in front of me was ashamed of wearing the cross because they were frightened and then appeared, I don't know whether I'd trust them. So my attitude is I wear the cross. If you don't like it, that's your problem. Um, and eventually um, she asked me for a meeting um, which ironically was two days after I'd just been fully immersed in the new church that I now that I belong to and reaffirmed my baptism in a full immersed baptism. Mm. That was on Sunday and on the Tuesday I had this meeting with her. So on the Sunday I'd just, I'd, I'd been waiting for this opportunity for years because I knew we were going to build this baptistry and I'd been waiting to do it in my church. Uh, and to reaffirm her baptism. And on the Tuesday, she was asking me to take the cross off. So that was never going to happen. I couldn't, I, I couldn't say to God one day, I'm giving my life to you. And two days later, I'm sorry, I'm ashamed of you. Yeah. Uh, but she, she basically interviewed me for my job again. Um, she asked me nine questions. And at the end of the ninth question, she said to me, um, well, you've answered all those questions really well. I'm really pleased. You do a fantastic job at the hospice because everybody tells me over the last five years they've never had any problems with you. You're more than helpful. You will come in at odd hours if there's end of life. You um, are only too willing to get involved. Um, and then she asked me question 10 was, do you adhere to the code of conduct by Marie Curie? And I said, I do. And she said, well, in that case, then don't you got to take your cross off? And I said, no, I don't. Because there's nothing in the code of conduct that says that I have to take the cross off. Mm. To which she said, this is where you and I disagree. And I said, well, I, I, I'm not quite sure how we can disagree on something that's not there. And then she related to a comment that was made in the code of conduct that said, you should not wear anything that may upset the patient and that's what she was saying the cross might upset the patient to which i said well i see that as wearing appropriate dress um for instance i'm i'm a, I'm a football supporter of aston villa in, in in birmingham i wouldn't wear an aston villa shirt because i might meet a birmingham city fan and yeah. that that to me is offensive or a lady wearing inappropriate clothing or even a gentleman wearing an appropriate clothing, yeah. not wearing a cross. That's not what it's about. Yeah. Um, so she then said her immediate team leader and the head of Marie Curie would agree with her. So she said, I will talk it over with them, but they will agree. And I said, well, in that case, then we're wasting our time. Here's my, my land yard and I'll walk away. And I walked away um, and then Christian Concern sent me a letter, which I then um, copied and pasted and sent to them, which basically said, um, thank you very much for the meeting we had. Um, I don't see where I can't wear, why I can't wear my cross. Here are the three codes of practices. Um, 
Can you point out to me where it is that um, it does say I can't wear them? Yeah. Uh, um, she then replied and said she'd come back to me. And then the next email I had was from the head of Marie Curie asking me to go to a meeting, which I went to. And the first thing she did when we sat down was to apologise and said this should never have happened. Um, and it was totally... And that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't challenged, because this might happen in hospices across the country, we don't know. Yeah. And maybe right. many times we maybe silence ourselves and just simply agree. But I guess yeah. it raises questions about the importance of the cross um, and the visible sign of the cross. Uh, Tim, do you sense this tendency, this trajectory? Why is it important that we, we speak or we push back a little bit at this sidelining, this, this covering up of the cross and Christian symbols? Well, I mean, well done to Derek for standing his ground under quite intense pressure there. Um, and also for um, asking for help from Chris Concern and and um, and you know challenging it and bringing it through. One one wonders, as you say, Ben, how many people um, just sort of feel like they can't challenge it or or back down and decide not to wear a cross or or um, hand in their lanyard, walk away, and leave it at that um, from this kind of thing and, and how much that is happening around society as well. But um, it's great that that Barry a stood ground and b then challenged it as well and. Yeah, the fact is that all these things can be challenged. You know, people, you know, workplaces and police and various others have sort of got this idea that they can censor Christianity and should censor Christianity. And the cross is somehow so offensive. Even a tiny little cross like that is so offensive that no chaplain in a hospice should wear it. And it's extraordinary. What would they do? Would they say a bishop can't come in because he can't wear a great big, you know, what do they have a three inch cross very often that bishops wear? You wouldn't be allowed into the hospice with that. It is an extraordinary thing. And, um, and it, it, even more extraordinary that it was a Methodist minister who's who said this as well. And it does seem to be a sort of sign of increasing intolerance for manifesting Christianity in society, um, whether it's through what you wear or it's through what you say. Uh, there does seem to be an increasing tolerance in society um, towards Christians and towards um, Christian faith um, in the country as a whole. And I think part of a disturbing trend, even if we win these cases, the fact is we're seeing more of these kind of cases coming up um you know but christians do have rights in law and we need to defend them and and um, exercise those freedoms and you know and push back so that we can establish this and people have recognized, this, recognized and realized what the law says i guess there's this push for a kind of equalization of all different um religions and denying the uniqueness well, i don't think it is equalization is it ben if they if they you know would be prepared to let a Muslim or a Sikh wear some symbol of their yes. faith, um, yes. but a Christian is singled out for a tiny little cross. You can't wear that because that might offend someone. Uh, th yes. This isn't I mean, it in the, I mean it, yes. So I think I I completely agree. There's a there's a particular hostility towards Christianity, um, yeah. but I think there is a sense with which, uh, particularly Orthodox Christianity, there's a sense with which even amongst Christians. Um, we are, and clearly perhaps this uh, Methodist minister, there's a sense of um, it's Christianity is, is one of a few options. So yes, there's a targeting of Christian symbols. I mean, I was in church house so as, as a member of General Synod. Uh, we meet in church house in Westminster once a year. And church house, so this is like the central office of the Church of England, and church house has a multi-faith prayer room in it. 
that is extraordinary, isn't it? That is, that um, is kind of extraordinary. That that. Well, how long has yeah. that been there for? And I, and I know. you know why would the younger church bring a multi faith thing into their own building? Into its main, yes. Yeah. And, is, and your, so, is there a multi faith you know prayer room in the center of Islamic studies or something like that, or yeah. or or Hindu or Sikh or anything else for that matter? You know, it's it's kind of an extraordinary thing to think that that's something that what is what a yeah. church should provide. So I think there's this this kind of downgrade towards everything is just spiritual care. Every religion is the same, and and the reason why it's silencing is 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 covering up the cross is because the cross is the center of Christianity. It's the it's where Jesus died. It's where Jesus paid for the sins of the world. Um, and it's through the cross that we can be reconciled to God through Christ. And actually, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when we begin to deny the cross, we deny who Jesus is. We're, we're denying the faith altogether. I mean, the interesting thing about the cross is that in the new church that we've just had built in Dorridge, in Sally Hall, uh, our vicar insisted every room has a cross in it that's every room that even, yeah. even even the toilets have a cross in it. Mm -hmm. and the number of people that come into our center uh to do activities every, well i haven't spoken to anyone who has been offended by by the fact that we have a cross in every room and i know it's a church building but it is as i said it is in every room and a lot of people have said isn't it fantastic that you, everywhere you look in this center, whichever, if you look on a wall, there's a cross. Um, and That's a good idea. I was quite surprised recently to go to a church where there was no cross anywhere visible or you know, no Christian yeah. symbol visible at all. And I thought that was a mistake, really. Um, and I think, you know, Christians, you know, and churches and Christians shouldn't be ashamed of these symbols. They're very important symbols. And um, and you know we should be allowed to display them, and, and it's not offensive to have a cross. It, it just isn't offensive, like you said, Derek. You know, particularly if you're a chaplain, a Christian chaplain, you know, all you're doing is is kind of you know displaying an aspect of your faith by showing a cross. It's, it's you know it's crazy to say it's offensive to wear a cross. There are many other things that could be offensive. It's it's a, you know somebody should never be offended by wearing a tiny little cross like that from a chaplain in a hospice or any other situation. I think I if mean, we were, we would be accused of being racist if we were offended by another religion. If we were offended that a woman was wearing a burqa or a head, right. you know, we, we get accused, you know, so. Or, the, the, the crazy thing about it, the, the, that is the fact that, as I said earlier, we're where the, the factory where uh, I own is next door to a mosque, and the imam there um, really respects me as a person because he knows that he knows i pray and he, he knows i go to church we've got christian stuff in our tray counter at work bibles to give out to people and he knows i wear a cross and he said if only more of you christians would wear uh the cross would would uh tell us that you pray how much we would respect i don't think they are the ones that are the for some reason, they are, they are, we're told it's, it's the other faiths, but it is not the other faiths, it's other people. Who've got well, as in quite a lot of these cases, Derek, it's actually an imaginary person, right? Because your yeah. minister was saying somebody could be offended. 
nobody has actually been offended by no. me wearing a cross for no. 11 years, right? Nobody's actually been offended. And, you know, you spoke to this, it was very interesting that the imam, you know, supported you in that in that kind of way and, and and great that he did but there's no actual person who's actually been offended by no. it it's somebody no. sort of you know saying you know maybe somebody might be somebody well somewhere might be offended on the on the off chance that some imaginary person may one day be offended well, yeah you have to you know lose your job rather than wear this tiny little cross you know and um the same kind of thing happened with felix nigole nobody had ever been offended no, no person actually been offended by what he said. An anonymous person said maybe somebody would be offended, and the university expelled him. And it's these kind of imaginary offences that people are drumming up about Christianity. Like, you know, gosh, imagine somebody could be offended here, and they take it to extreme lengths. And this is yeah. kind of what's happened. Nobody's actually or been just offended. Someone just far away who's un totally unrelated and finds out about something and and report. You know, it sort of reminds me of the Richard Scott. Um, uh, most recent case where it was, I think it was reported by the National Secular Society after Richard Scott had given an interview online, not yeah. because of anything a patient had really said. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I guess as well, one important thing about all of this is, you know, hospice, most hospices are founded by Christians. A lot of charity, yeah. caring for the sick, the elderly, was all pioneered by christians um but i guess part of this is seeing the decline of christian influence and christian culture in this um nation i mean there's been a lot of headlines recently regarding the uh the recent um uh the ons statistics the um uh showing less than 50 percent now identifies christians um and in, in, in some sense that's quite spiritually significant um that as we, um, as the number of Christians in the UK declines, uh, or those identifying as Christians decline, um, that the visibility of Christianity uh, may well decline as well. Um, uh, Tim or Derek, maybe uh, uh, final words, maybe I guess on this, but what do you think as Christians we can do to be proclaiming Christ um, and to be unashamed about that, the, the visualizing of that? Um, Tim and then Derek. <laughs> Okay, well, I think you know this. You know, it is a kind of moment in our national history, isn't it, where the um, the um, proportion of people identifying as Christian um, has dropped below fifty percent. Um, it's not that church attendance has declined by that much or anything like that, um, and um, but still, the identification is an issue, and it does show a cultural decline. And you know, who do I blame for that? I blame the church for that. This entirely the church's responsibility. There's no one else who can blame for it. And it's about the church not speaking out. It's about the church not being bold. It's about the church not being unashamed of the gospel. And exactly this kind of thing that, that happened to Derek is the opposite of what we need to do. We should not be telling people not to wear a cross. We should tell people, yes, wear a cross. Be unashamed about your faith. Tell people about your faith and explain it. And be the kind of person that the imam sort of respects as somebody who prays and manifests their faith and takes it seriously. And wishes that there were all Christians who did that, and be the be the kind of person like Derek who won't back down when asked to take off a cross, and who you know, loves being loves ministering to people in the end of life and taking opportunity where it arises um, to talk about faith and share his faith with them. That's exactly the kind of people that we need and the kind of Christianity we need to um, to see some recovery of this. Thank you, Tim. Derek, any, any a final word? Any yeah, the fire on the, the situation there. I, I, when I go in to see someone at the hospice, uh, I quite often they'll say they've got no faith and they don't, they don't believe in Christ. And yet, um, 
within a short period of time, they are actually asking you to pray for them. And I know that they're ill, very seriously ill. They're actually dying, probably, almost certainly. Mm. And they're clasping at straws. But it's interesting, at the end, they're all clasping for the same straw. And that's the fact that if there is a God, I need to know him. And I just feel that um, so many people in this day and age are calling themselves non-Christian. But I, I think more and more people are Christians than they, than they will admit to. But it partly, it's, it's what, exactly what Tim said, I think, where we don't see the evidence of it in church and we don't always see the evidence of it in people who are Christians. Um, but one thing I will do is that I'll never stop praying for people. And if I bump into someone in my local Sainsbury's or Tesco's or wherever, uh, and I, whether I know them or not, if I'm talking to them and they want to pray, I'll pray for them and I'll pray for them there and then. Because if people see people praying, then they know prayer works. Great, fantastic, Derek. Well done. Uh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Tim. Wonderful, and thank you so much, Derek. Um, just as I close, these verses um, uh, came to came to mind. Um, uh, Romans ten verses uh, thirteen, following: For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Um, thank you so much, Tim and Derek, for joining us today. And thank you for your faithful ministry, Derek. Keep going. Uh, keep running the good race uh, in all that you're doing, um, witnessing uh, to the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Uh, and thank you all, uh, viewers, for joining us. Um, we have uh, some ex two exciting things. Uh, firstly, a review of the year, the round the table review of the year happening in two weeks' time. Uh, so do tune in for that. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great roundup to see all that um, as God has been doing through Christian Concern this last year and all that's been going on um, in the nation. I'd also uh, recommend signing up uh, to uh, Christian Concern to get our weekly updates and weekly newsletters with prayer points, action alerts, news about what's going on in the culture. It's a wonderful way to stay informed about what's going on and stay connected to Christian Concern. And if you've enjoyed this uh, discussion, please do uh, click the share button and forward it on to anyone that you think would benefit from listening. Uh, thank you for joining. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, Derek. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thanks.